Going live. Dope. Right, we're in. All right, so. Ba, 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 ba. so here we go, back in there. Hi, guys. Um, welcome to ShedX. I think we're on episode seven, I think. Uh, I'm here with Stu Newton. Uh, today's broadcast uh, is sponsored by uh, Jason Edwards and his book, Monsters Among Us. It's available uh, on Amazon. Uh, we'll drop the link down in here when we're yeah. finished. Um, just have to excuse me a minute while I um, drop this into a few groups um, and then we'll get started with Stu. Um, and Stu's going to tell his story um, and uh, the reasons why he is an ambassador for knife crime. Um, Absolutely. Thanks, th thanks for coming on, Stu. Oh, you're very welcome, mate. Thanks for having me on. That's, that's, that's a pleasure. Um, Thanks for stepping in at short notice as well. Um, yeah, no problem. Right, here we go. So we'll get this shared. Here we go. Yeah, right. My, uh, I will explain, my, my personal assistant, Josie, isn't here today. She's the one that usually posts the links for me. Um, but on the past few broadcasts, she hasn't been here, so I've had to do it myself. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not being rude. I'm posting it through my phone to get it on some of the uh, groups. Uh, so we can get some viewers in. <clears throat> and then we'll share, we'll share some later as well. Right. As I said, welcome guys. Um, thanks for tuning in. If you've got any questions for Stu, if we don't get a chance to do them today, um, I'll get him to answer them. Um, uh, maybe possibly tomorrow at some point. Um, yeah. And, and we'll uh, go through that. I'm sure uh, Stu will do it through his um, leisure. Anyone wants to ask anything, they can ask me, mate. Not an issue at all. I'll get back Brilliant. to you as soon as I can, yeah. Brilliant. So um, we'll, we'll give it a start then, mate. Um, yeah. So um, let's go back to the start. Let's go back to your younger days. Yeah. Um, um, younger days, mate. Normal childhood, really. Uh, love and family. Both parents together. Two brothers, one older, one younger. All of us close in age. Um, normal sibling rivalry, I suppose. But... Um, I was a footballer when I was younger, so I had a bit of a talent for football. I got scouted for Everton boys when I was nine years of age. Uh, brought quite a bit of attention, you know, within school and from mm. teachers and everything, really, towards me. I was playing for Everton boys for quite a number of years. Um, wasn't really the pack I wanted to follow, mate, to be fair. Um, it was one of them, you didn't really know who your friends were um, or whether, you know, you didn't make friendships properly as such because... You didn't know who wanted to just be around you for 
you know, what you could give them. Because I was doing well and had a bit of attraction towards me because of the football, yeah. um, you had these friends that, you know, you couldn't really trust as such. Um, I had a gro- good group of mates. Um, I had, like, a, a few traumas when I was younger. Um, a girl died um, on a train track. I heard shouting on my way home from a, from a night out. So I went up there and there was a girl on the train track. I've run over, I've picked her up, lifted her off the train track, starting to do a CPR on her, um, but she died in my arms. Now, I think I was only like 15, 15 maybe at the time. Wasn't long later, a good friend of mine uh, was knocked down by a train and died. Um, sometime after that, maybe a year or so, um, there was a car crash. Um, three of my friends died, I survived. So, we had to gone a bit everywhere. Mm. Um, I looked for my own path then, and mm. I ended up going into finance, actually. I just sort of fell into it. Um, a job that I had, I was working, like, a job and another job come up within Barclays. Um, so I was working the two jobs, but I trained up in there within Barclays. I was an accounts manager. Um, I'd done that for a, maybe about 20 years working in finance, um, up until the point. Um, I had had a few traumas again. I had a baby with someone. Um, and for me, I wrapped him up in cotton wool. Um, yeah. I got with this girl very, very quickly um, because of the past traumas I had had. Um, he was someone, basically, that would love me unconditionally. There was no questions yeah. asked. wasn't what I could give to him. He was just there. I was his dad. So I wrapped yeah. him up in cotton wool because I hadn't been able to shave others as well. He was my world. But she fell pregnant very quickly, as I said. But she quickly realised I was only staying for the baby's sake. There was no way I was going to have, you know, get someone pregnant and then just leave. So I stayed with her. But once the baby was born, I thought maternal instincts would kick in from her, but they didn't. So we split up. Baby come with me. Um, it's like six years, really, between, you know, we're not really doing anything. Can me bringing him up? Uh, a little help from my mum and dad. Well, quite a lot of help, actually. Um, and then after six years, I wouldn't get back into a relationship with her. So he was taken, kidnapped, and that was it. I haven't seen him since. So that was my lowest point, mate. I'll be perfectly mm. honest. That was the lowest point in my life. That's when everything else I hadn't dealt with previously caught up to me. Um, I tried to take my own life. Um, I got help at that point. Uh, I was diagnosed with PTSD. I realised then that it's good to talk and everyone needs that support. So I'm a mm. big, big ambassador for mental health and people mm. actually reaching out and talking out. So I'm the type of person, people will probably tell you, I'm there for anyone. Mm. And that's where it comes from. I'm a very um, empathetic person, always have been. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, I think not long after that, I met another girl. Um, and she knew I wanted a baby. She knew everything I'd been through. Again, she fell pregnant quickly. She already had a daughter. She was halfway through a criminology degree, two years in, um, one year left. And three months pregnant, she decided to have an abortion and then tell me. Um, asked me to stay with her, but, you know, at the end of the day, she, the pregnancy was planned, even though it was quickly, because I was trying to fill a void within me, you know, that was missing. Um, from the baby being taken, so we split up. I met a girl then who then became my wife, actually, because I met her and she already had four children at the time. So right. I was an instantly, I was a dad, you know, yeah. I didn't have to go through the baby thing. These were calling me dad straight away. Mm. So for me, it was absolutely, it wasn't about her. Mm. Um, I wasn't in love, but I didn't know that at the time. And, you know, God forgive me, I, I, I've apologized to her, I am sorry, you know, um, but. 
I was there to be a father for the children, mm. but it, it just didn't work out. We got married. We moved from Liverpool to Wales because she was originally from Wales. So I moved her home to be closer with, you know, a, a normal family, the rest mm. of her family and extended family as such. Um, but yeah, only a month into it, um, PTSD catching me up again. She was very smothering of me. Um, wouldn't let me go out basically without her. Um, constantly in my phone once it was like, who's on the phone? She was very insecure. And even me wanting to come home and visit family in Liverpool, it was like, mm. no, no, no. So I, I often left after a month. Um, come back to Liverpool and then moved out to Southport, um, which is where this this incident has obviously happened. Mm. Do you want me to go into all that now? or? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, OK. Yeah. So what's happened is I'd gone out to Southport, um, basically starting again for myself, because obviously everything had happened. I'd just been married to manager broke up. I don't want to come back to my own area where everyone knows me and they're all straight away. How are you? You know what? I needed that me time away, mm. a bit of distance, find myself again. So I started doing a bit of supporting up there, and I was supporting people around drug and alcohol issues. Now, it come to a weekend... Uh, it was a Saturday, Saturday the 13th of July last year. I went to a outdoor music festival um, in Shelport with three people. These are three uh, residents who were in, you know, supported housing, uh, needing care for similar issues. Um, we went there. Um, all started off fine. Nice sunny day. Crowds start coming. Uh, kids with the parents, grandparents. Everyone enjoying the music that's laid on for free. Um, but this one particular fella who's done what he's done to me, um, he was a bit out of control. I didn't, I didn't know at the time, but that morning he had assaulted his ex partner. Sorry, his partner, which is right. obviously now his ex partner. But he had assaulted her in the morning, yeah. and then had come out with us. Um, he'd started drinking. Now it's fine, you know. I'm not a parent, so I can't tell them what or they can't do. But I'm there to basically help guide and make sure that they're controlling for alcohol mm-hmm. intake as such. So it got brought to me attention anyway um, that he was having a fight with a member of the public. So I've gone over, I broke up the fight. Um, the police had quickly come um, because he was there with me and my kid and because he wasn't, um, there wasn't blood everywhere. It was apparently it was shoving and pushing and no one within the crowd could really say who started it. And I never mm-hmm. seen it personally. So police went, right, okay, we'll move this fella up to this end of the pier. Um, we'll keep you down here. If you move up that end of the pier, then obviously you've gone looking for it. And we'll have to lift him. Like, right, fair enough. He's in my care, he'll be fine. Um, maybe an hour later, um, someone shouted me again. I- I'm talking, you know, I'm-, I'm just interacting with people and, you know, we were enjoying the day with the children and that, uh, listening to the music. Um, but yeah, he's out, he's- there's a wedding party outside a hotel across from where we were, Royal Clifton Hotel. And they're outside taking the wedding pictures, you know, of the special day. He's there abusing them, only verbally, but that's enough, you know, we spoil him their special day. Um, and there's obviously these kids around. So I've been told again, I've got I've gone over to him and I said, that's it, mate. He said, unless you control yourself, you're acting worse than kids are around mm-hmm. here. He said, you're spoiling their wedding day. Uh, they can't get that memory back. You're ruining that for them. So he goes off on one to me then, doesn't he? Well, you know, what, what do you care? Your wedding day was this, was that. And I was like, well, you know, I'm not with her. But it was a special day. At that moment in time, it was the best day of your life, which you can't get back. Mm-hmm. I said, just behave yourself or you're not going to be within our company. He was like, right, I apologise. I'm sorry. It was 40 minutes later. I've just He's come up behind me, snuck up behind me. Um, give me a hug, says you forgive me. 
I've said, lad, just just behave yourself, enjoy the day. You know what I mean? He's gone right, okay. And then I've, I just heard you won't forgive this, and I just felt on my neck. Now I didn't realise what it was until people screamed, and I went like that, and it, it stabbed me twice in the neck. So there's blood everywhere. My hands absolutely black, covered in blood. But I'm shocked. Now I'll be honest, mate. I didn't feel no pain from it. All I did is felt like that, and it wasn't until I'm like that. It's a bit of a shock. Adrenaline comes in. Well, I'm human now, aren't I? Mm. So I turn around, I'm looking for him, can't see him. I'm looking that way, and he snuck around me, and he's come up behind me. Then he stabbed me another ten times, and then he's took off. Well, at this point, you'd expect me to hit the deck and on the floor, but again, I'm just like, I'm fuming. You know, I'm thinking, I, I'm in shock. I didn't realise the level of the... Yeah, I didn't realise the level of the injuries all over the back of me, to be fair. But it was very quickly apparent. I've gone and I've sat down, people have said, sit down, I'm sitting down, I'm like that on my neck. And it's just covered. But then someone comes to start packing my neck. Because there was a first aider, luckily, quite near, because it was a festival nearby. He comes to pat my neck and someone else is pointing at the sides of me going, <gasps> so he's lifted up his top. So he put both lungs instantly collapsed. Um, I was I bled out, basically. Within, before the ambulance got there, I bled out. I had no blood left. Um, and I don't know how I got up and walked into the ambulance. But again, I got up, walked in the ambulance. They had to give me eight blood transfusions in the ambulance before they could even think of moving me. They had to stabilise both lungs. Um, and then, obviously, they blew light of me from Shelport to Aintree Hospital. Now, I don't, to this day, I don't recollect that whole journey in the ambulance. No. Which is weird, because they've all said, um, I've, I've read the reports now, because they come to court, you know, where the emergency paramedics do the hands-off and everything. There's quite a few different people. Once you get to hospital, after have to do the reports. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I was awake, laughing and joking with them all the way there, saying it's not that serious. You know, I've always cut myself, yeah, but I'm fine making a joke, trying to calm others down. But that's that's just what I do, to be fair. But, I, again, I got out of hospital and I walked into the trauma room and I'm just dripping, you know, I've got nothing left on. I've got, I'm there in my boxer shorts because they've cut all my clothing off me to get to all these wounds. And I'm in a room, I remember just all of a sudden, it's like you've missed, you've blacked out for all this period. And the next thing I'm just stood in this room in my boxes, dripping everywhere. And there's trauma surgeons, there's police, there's nurses. And you can see that, you know, the fear in people's faces. And there's a few nurses there with tears in their eyes. And, I just remember them going, why won't you take treatments? And I went, what? I said, oh, listen, honestly, I said, girls, calm down. It's not that bad. I said, I'm just crap at shaving. You know, and I've cut myself a few times. I shaved my chest and everything. That's what it is, joking. Um, but no one laughed. Now, the police that were there had been sent ahead to meet me at the hospital to take forensics off my dead body because they were expecting me to turn up dead on mm. arrival. Well, it was the trauma surgeon got pissed off with me just trying to calm everyone down. He said, look, he said, it's up to you. You're going to have to sign something if you're not willing to take treatment. He said, because you are dying in front of these people's eyes. He said, you are internally bleeding. You, your spleen has ruptured. He said, so your blood is just poisoning your body and you drop, you're going to drop dead any minute. I just don't know how you even stood up. So at that point, um, he said, we'll phone you next to Ken. Now, my next to Ken was my wife. I said, don't be bloody doing that. You'll be telling you even if I was on life support. Well, actually, I'll be doing it, saying, switch the frigging thing off. You know what I mean? To get away from her. But that, that was just, again, me just joking, trying to calm mm. her down. But I said, the only other number I know off by heart, because I didn't have my mobile on me, that I got lost within transit, was my mum's phone number. So they phoned her. 
They've had a quick word saying, Stu's been stabbed, but he won't take statements. Passed me the phone and just my mother just went, stop being such a fucking martyr all the time. You're about to die, take the treatment. So I went, oh, right, okay. I went, right, serious then. And he went, yeah, right, straight on the table. So eight hours later, I had repairs to my neck, uh, my heart, uh, my lungs, my stomach, my diaphragm. They had to open me right the way up and remove my spleen. Um, I survived surgery, which, again, they were chopped over because I'd lost that much blood anyway. Mm. Um you know, it was surprising that my blood pressure hadn't dropped that low that I had to dodge on surgery. But again, you know, I woke up the next day, and at this point, mate, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest, the pain was excruciating. I, I couldn't imagine. move. I had tubes everywhere. I was stapled everywhere. Um, yeah, the pain was horrific at that point. So that was, yeah, that's that's, that's the uh, hook and crook of what happened that day. So how long were you in hospital for? Uh, five days, discharged myself after five days. Right. Yeah, reason being is I had all the tubes in and everything. So once the catheters allowed out, once all the drains can come out, yeah. um, it's up to me then really. I mean, they give you a lot of pain relief. Now, obviously, I had, um, what's it called, the morphine drip mm. in me. Um, I had a button to press on that. They were coming. I mean, I didn't sleep for like five days. I was mm. basically, I was tripping in there because they were coming over, giving me all sorts of meds every couple of like hours, mm. taking bloods all the time, doing me blood pressure. Um, I mean, they were giving me that ketamine, a liquid ketamine mm. or something. So I was just everywhere in my head. And obviously you're still in a bit of shock and trying to get your head around what's happened. The police are coming in and I'm telling the police to go away. Um, just to let you know, I don't want to talk about it, whatever. Um, so yeah, after five days, I just thought, I just said, look, now all the tubes are out, can I go home? And he said, no. He said, you're going to be in for a while. You've got a lot of recovering to do. I said, I'll recover better at home. He said, well, we need, you'd have to be seen. One of the nurses spoke to me on the quiet. This is when I asked the doctors and they were like, no. One of the nurses come over and the nurses in the hospital were unbelievable. Unbelievable. It weren't for them, weren't for the, even the, the dietitians, the, you know, the physiotherapists there. I wouldn't have those five days, you know, I just, they really helped me and I'd done what mm. they told me to do. Um, she just come over and she said, look, if you can show them that you can walk a few steps or get some down some steps and back up them on your own, they'll let you go. Um, reason being that if you're going home, you're going to have to go toilet up and downstairs. Mm. Um, but do you live on your own? Now at the time I did, because I'd moved, I'd split up with the wife. I'd moved back, went into somewhere. She said, well, they won't let you go because I needed care. So we agreed for me to come back to my mum and dad's home. So after the five days, I, I was up, managing to walk. Very, very difficult, but I was getting past the nurses on the steps because I was timing when, what time they'd come in. Mm. And then when they did, I'd go past them. And as soon as they'd gone around the corner, I was keeled over for breath. <laughs> you know, mm. I was just trying to fill it just to get home. So I just ended up, it was like on the sixth day, and they, they'd come round on the rounds and said, no, you won't be going home. So I just discharged and we went. So, right. yeah. And, and you, um, how how did you cope at home? How how, how did you get yourself uh, back to uh, um, you know back to some sort of normality? Um, yeah, so you, yeah, so what is on, mate? Is rather than obviously something like this happens to you, that you hear the people saying just get right on the back back of the bike, you know, if you fall, just get back on, start riding again. So it's very similar, even with this. This is a life changing trauma. You know, I'm ill for the rest of my life, but. I survived, mate, and I just thought, you know, I'm lucky to have survived. It's a slap in the face for any parent 
who's lost someone to knife crime, if I'm just lying there feeling all sorry for myself, you know, I can't change what's happened. Um, you know, what, what happens to people happens to people. You can never, uh, you can't always choose what happens to you, but you mm. can choose how you react. So I chose, you know, I react positively. And I thought, right, knife crime is quite rife in the country. You don't really hear uh, many survivor stories. But sadly, mm. you don't, because especially with this level of injuries, uh, there isn't a survivor, you know. So I thought, right, I'm going to put it out on social media in my story. Um, even with the pictures, you know, of the injuries, try and make a real impact. Because a lot of times people do censor it and hide the images mm. from people, um, which desensitizes the whole issue. So That's I put mine out there. Yeah. So my, my story just went viral very quickly. It went everywhere. Um, but from me, basically from my bed at home, I put that story out and then I organised a charity event um, to raise money for two knife campaigns that I knew of within my area. So I set up, yeah, it was in a bar um, in McGull, Everton, because I used to play for Everton, they uh, donated things for an auction. Liverpool Football Club did. Hotels and restaurants, spas all around the city donated things to me to do this auction. So I had a big charity night there, DJ, uh, live singers, and an auction event. It was mm. a really good night. Raised a few grand for these two campaigns. Um, and then I got involved with a lady, um, Nicole Young and Yeddy, uh, Yeddy, sorry, Adenemi, got in touch with me. Uh, was initially it was Nicole Young started messaging me because she had heard my story and was talking about setting up a national event, mm. which turns out to, which was your city says no, it turns out to be forty five mm. towns and cities up and down the country. She asked me to organise it within the northwest, which I did. Right. So I managed to do these two things within like two months of this happening to me. Wasn't long after that, mate, that um. I was on a little walk on the 12th of October on that event with the Police Crime Commissioner of Cheshire. He heard my story and he asked me to try and set up some uh, youth programmes. And from there, that's where it took off, mate. And that's what I've been doing, helping a lot of youth change their lives. Respect yeah. for that, mate. Re respect. Yeah. Um, it, 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 I mean, I've, I've, been, I've been stabbed a couple of times, and it, it, you know, I, I don't think I would have... Ashley wouldn't have got up. <laughs> um, you know what? Do you know what, though? I think um, a lot of people have said to me, how the hell? You know, it's not only how did you survive, because how do I answer that? You know what I mean? But hmm. like, mindset for one, I'm a, two, I'm a stubborn bastard. Hmm. I mean, that's super. <laughs> it's like, you know, mate, you know, my, today's not my day. Um, I'll decide when I go. You know what hmm. I mean? I've been through that much anyway. So hmm. it's even the recovery. People have said, how do you have that mindset to react so positively? I said, well, look, the worst things in my life has already happened. My son, hmm. when my son got tough, that was the worst thing. Worst pain, nothing else comes hmm. close. And every day I would take going back to that day of being stabbed again, all those hmm. times, to the day of losing him. Every day without question. Mm. even to the point people have said to me do you wish that you hadn't have intervened you know when when this lad who's on well this fella he was 43 let's not forget he's not a child um do i wish i hadn't intervened when he was having a fight originally well because he could have got arrested you know what i mean he could have got arrested and took off i said well the thing is i did not know that this lad had a knife on him you know so he could have been losing that fight and took it out and killed that man. I said, so no, at the end of the day, I'm glad that I did break it up. And I'm glad it was me that day 
that got stabbed because I was stubborn enough. I was strong enough to survive. He was out with murderous intent. He had already beaten up his missus that morning. Mm. It turns out that his ex-wife, he had set fire to her house while her and the two babies were in bed. You know, so he, he was he was not right in the friggin' head no. anyway. So he was if I hadn't been the one that day, then it would have been someone else. So I'm glad in that respect. Maybe I saved a life that day by taking it, you know. So yeah, I mean, you can't. Um, one thing I've learned, uh, you, you know, especially in the past sort of six and a half years, is that you can't live with the um, what ifs. Um, oh. If I, if they, yeah. if this, you know, the, I think there are three natural states for people like us, and that is um, we start out as victims of circumstance. Mm. Um, and then we, we become, once we get through that, we become survivors. And the only natural step is now becoming thrivers um, and helping others to then step from, you know, um, being the victim to being a survivor and helping the survivors become um, thrivers. Um, yep. you, you, you know, I, I have to, you know, I, I have my... Hi, you know, I, I don't think um, <laughs> I certainly don't think I'd have been alive after that. And I, I, you know, I think the body is an amazing thing, uh, especially is, when uh, you, you know, especially when it's in the the, the fight mode. Um, but to come back from that, many would wallow in their own self pity. I've done it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I used drugs for my. Um, uh, you know, that was sort of my self-harm. You know what, um, bro? That's, that's a lot of people's coping... You know, that's... Sorry, I've just got to throw my phone on charge here. Um, that's, a lo that's a lot of people's coping techniques. And it's... You know what? It's understandable. I've never look at anyone and say, no, it's the wrong thing to do. Um, I'd advise them and say there's better ways, but mm. it's everyone copes in their own way. I'm no one's dad. I can advise, mm. you know, I can give advice and say, well, look, this is how I achieve someone. It, mm. What's right for one person isn't always right for someone else, is it? No, exactly. let's face it, we know that, but... I mean, exactly. I just see, yeah, I don't know. Originally, I put the story out. It was to just get it out there and make a difference with the impact of things. And then, as time progressed, and I started meeting people who were bereaved. You know, that was it. Then there was no way I could just turn and walk away. And when I seen the effect that we were having um, on youths, and these are you know the, the kids that we would go and help. These are kids who are actually, actually active in gangs. These are kids who are carrying knives. These are youth offending kids who are referred to us. So, yeah, these are people that really need to be reached out to and, and helped. And I, I really enjoy, actually, mate, actually seeing that little spark in their eye, giving them the right pathway and helping them, you know? Yeah. I, I think it's... I think when you've been through as, as, as much trauma as, as, as people like us have, you, you, you can go like different ways. I mean, it, it took me, it, it, it took me deaf, uh, to be honest, to um, change my life and become, become this, uh, you know, and, and this is six and a half years down the line um, mm. because I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop the gear on my own. You, you, you know, I wasn't capable of running my own life. Um, but it's only in this past few years that, that I've learned, um, 
living a 12-step programme and actually working it, um, yeah. you know, because I've been in 12-step programmes since I was 14 years old. So, <laughs> you know, that that's always been there. That seed's always been there. And I think what's different is that um, I learned not to regret my past. I had so, There was so much guilt and shame in there that um, that was my stumbling block. So when, once you get rid of that guilt and shame, and then you look at it, that's happened. I need to use that now to tell people, you know, to show, not to tell people, but to educate people on how not to do it. Yeah. Then. Absolutely, mate. As you said, yeah, I, I, we've done the build up really to the day, which is a good way to have done it because they're all, you know, you've got your 12 steps. They were steps in my life. Yeah. Everything, and I honestly strongly believe this, everything. Um, Maybe some people will, or people will question and go, but why, you know, does this one have to be, or, you know, but for me personally, everything in my life has happened for a reason. At the time, while you go through it, yet, you know, don't get me wrong, it's painful. Mm. Um, if you start to then believe and trust in the fact that it's only for today and mm -hmm. it will pass, you know, if it will pass, if all those circumstances and those traumas haven't happened in my life previously, the day being stabbed, I probably wouldn't have survived. And I honestly mm. believe that mentally wouldn't have been strong enough. But as I said, the worst thing has already happened, losing my son, mm. you know, losing my baby, that was the worst thing. So anything else that comes from afterwards, I can deal with. And that's what they say, isn't it? It's from your darkest moments, you gain the most strength. And if mm. you allow yourself, you'll you'll learn the biggest lessons. Um, and that's honestly, it's what I've found, mate. It is just... Just believe that everything happens for a reason, whether we know at the time what it is. I know that's hard for people, and I do, especially when they've lost a child or something. Mm -hmm. But I lost, you know, lost mine, and you know, it's helped me save others. People who have lost children, I've seen them now. They go out to schools and they help save other lives. It shouldn't have, have to be this way, but maybe it was the life path. If I can help others through mm. what happened to me, mate, the fact that now I've got I've got no immune system anymore because they've removed my spleen, but because both lungs collapsed, I'm classed as COPD. So I'm I shield. I'm very high risk, you know. Mm. Um, my heart is being weakened. Um, you know, you can't have like, but you know, people go well, your life expectancy and all that. And I got well, pff, you could go out tomorrow and get knocked down by a bus. <laughs> you know, that day I could have died. So. Mm. <laughs> I've got to be grateful for what you've got. And if anything, this year should have taught a lot of people that anyway, you mm. know, with the corona, but be grateful for what you have got. There's no point in sitting there moaning, going, oh, well, I haven't got this, or looking around at the Joneses and going, I want this and that. Just be grateful for what you've got and share with others mm. what you've got, and which is what I'm trying to do. Share what happened to me, my experience, try and inspire people to change. You know, I've been mm. blessed that luckily some people think I'm all right and listen, you know, so. Yeah. Well, um, so what's next then? Um, so I've, I've, yeah, I've, I've done a lot over the last year. Um, I've made a lot of connections, obviously, all over. Uh, well, England, Wales and Scotland now. Violent reduction units all over. Um, chair of the Youth Justice Board, speak with him. So I'm setting up a national event it's a national conference um, for youth weapon violence. Um, it was meant to be in October, just gone, but because of the 
obviously the uh, lockdown and everything. The government guidance wouldn't allow us um, as many people where we were holding the event in Birmingham. So I'm rescheduling that because a lot of the, the violent reduction units and um, mm. like the National Crime Agency have been getting in touch with me saying, when, you know, when are you looking to restart it? So that'll be coming in the new year. We're going to be going into schools, setting up a programme. I've got a good team on my group. Mm. You know, my group page there that I've got. I've got the admin that are on the page. They're all professionals. Um, mm. They're either, where, well, they all work with vulnerable young children or and adults, um, but in different capacities. I mean, one's like a mental health nurse. Another um, works in youth, you know, youth activities and youth clubs and things like that. There's an outreach work, as with the other one. So we're setting up programmes between us. We're going to all meet in the new year, sit down, and we're going to be taking into schools these programmes. It's going to be basically, we're going to be focusing a lot on um, ACEs, you know, adverse childhood experiences, mm-hmm. um, dealing a lot with county line grooming, child exploitation, because this, I think people forget a lot when they talk about knife crime. This is where a lot of your knife crime's coming from. It mm-hmm. is all this, you know, and this is what needs to be dealt with first and foremost. So that's what we'll be focusing on. But we're open to a, to a lot of things, you know. Mm. We're, we're open to work with anyone and everyone um, and help anyone and everyone as well. You know, so we have, we've got some big plans in the new year, um, but they'll, they'll appear on our page and people can obviously get involved if they want to because we're the type mm. of group that we want to hear from everyone. I can, I can arrange a, a programme, and yes, I've had success with youth programmes, but as we said before, um, when it comes to like mental health and things, what works for one person mightn't work for another. So we want to take on board everyone's input, and we'll mm. develop youth programmes from that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's just crack on, push forward, um, try and change a few people's lives for the better. So what about a book? Is there a book in the pipeline? No, I've been, you know what, I've been asked that from like straight away from day one, no. Um, maybe down the line I might if, if there's something in place for it all to go to charity or to what you know towards something but even when I go into schools and stuff I don't charge to do mm. these talks it's I, I don't you know I've been blessed with life mm-hmm. you know it's, I should not have survived so I'm, I'm not I'm not in it to make money off it it's just is what it is I mean, I'm never say never but it'll have to go into a good thing there's very little money in books to be honest is there not no. Oh well, I might take it. For, well, I might take it for me just eat then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you, you know, there's 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 very little in publishing in that, but um, yeah, you, you you know, I I don't do it for that. Uh, I I do it for because I it's it's a good it's a good way for me to I suppose self medicate really. It's it's a cathartic yeah. exercise for me. It's 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 always been sort of my savior. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, if if you want to go down that road, we can explore going down that road, and I can introduce to the people that um, can help yeah, you get yeah. there. Um, it's nothing immediate, mate. It's not my plans at the moment. As I say, it's just a it's focus. Get this year out of the way, mate. This year has been it's been diabolical for everyone. We haven't been able children. Um, there's a lot more have become vulnerable because of the coronavirus, the situation. Um, you know, we could go into that all night long. I could go into one talk about the vulnerability that this has caused um, and what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, first and foremost, the focus is Christmas, New Year. Get into the New Year, meet up with the team, we'll all sit down, have a good chat, and then just really focus on the programmes we've got in place. Um, 
Yeah, that, that's just next year, mate. What, what the programs we've already got in place. Just deal with them. Brilliant, mate. Brilliant. Um, my wife has posted the link uh, yeah. to the group. Um, yeah, I, th- I think um, I, I think I'm happy with that. Uh, if if you are, yeah, yeah, um, brilliant, mate. Yeah. What I'll do uh, is I'll um, I'll bid everybody uh, goodbye and say thank you for for coming. Um, and what I'll do is I'll I'll just sign off for Facebook, um, turn recording off, and we'll just have a quick debrief. Yeah, sounds sounds yeah, cool. Good. Right. Um, thanks everybody for coming. Um, as always, uh, you are the pivotal part of, of these. Um, you know your support through the whole Shedex experience has been absolutely phenomenal, and I'm extremely blessed um, by you all. Um, so, you know, I want to say thank you and thank you to everybody that's, that's been involved. Uh, thank you to Stu uh, and, and thank you to uh, everybody that's going to be involved next year. We've got a packed rotor from January to March at the minute. Um, so, yeah, we, we've got some good things coming. Um, oh, so, yeah. um, I'll bid you goodbye. I'd say keep up your good work as well, Jack. Keep it up, mate. You're doing brilliant. Cheers, man. That's appreciated. Yeah. All right, here we go. And then...